This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. So happy to be back. Even though Doug and I literally talk all day, every day. I feel like it I haven't seen kind of you in like... Times. 30 seconds, Doug. You look different. <laughs> Do I have, what, yeah. It might be that we're wearing spring wear now with your beautiful I floral. Know. It is literally the most beautiful day on the planet. And May is the month that I get like sketchy AF, to be honest, because there's lilacs everywhere. I'm obsessed oh. with lilacs. I've planted a couple trees they have not succeeded. They're really kind of limp and sad looking. And so I sneak around in the dark of night and look for shrubs that, I don't know, that you know, don't look like they belong to anyone. So peonies are my favorite, and mine are all about to go. I have like maybe five varieties in my yard, maybe 40, 50 plants. I absolutely am obsessed with them. But of course, they're very short term. But I thought of you yesterday because as I was making my way around my community, Right off of 94 and St. Croix Trail, um, there was a massive, massive gaggle of lilac bushes all in bloom. And I thought, I think Talia needs to come out here and just like romp around because they're nobodies except maybe the highways. I maybe would the highway people drive would be 40 minutes for that. I need to t- <laughs> like I do every time we, we record. This is what I think about I that. Like I, it's it's huge. Like it's just a huge, huge bunch of lilacs, yeah. which are so pretty. I'm in. Um, and I have some white and some purple in my yard and some pink. I do pink too. So, oh my God. I feel yeah. like if anything were branded lilac smelling, I would buy it right now. I'm such a sucker. There's probably a lot of that, but probably not like cheap maybe perfume. It's funny. When I was probably eight – I bought my older sister some lilac cologne from like the drugstore for her Christmas present. I'm sure it was like five dollars, but it smelled really pretty. It smelled like lilacs, but I'm you sure it was like such a good brother. Like it was probably uh... chemical, like toxic biohazard chemicals or something. Um, I know what we were wanting to talk about. Lilacs. Now I'm remembering. No. Enneagram that we were just going to wrap up because I feel like people were really yeah. pumped about the two part series. And then we had some really fun follow up questions from people. So I agree with that. Like it was actually a little bit like fascinating to me how many people took the test. I think from that link that you gave everybody um, from your your connection. And it was interesting how many people came to me either saying, guess what I am or I want you to tell me what you think I am or whatnot. But I had a friend, a very dear friend, and you know who you are. Uh, I just had dinner with you last night. So, but she actually asked me, she said, I think I'm a two married to a one, but the short test comes out a four. 
And is it possible that, as she kind of joked about it, she's like, my different personalities have different ways of manifesting and, and uh, showing up in her life. But she was kind of curious about that. She's like, can I be a two and a four? Because they're very different. And then also, like being married to a one. She was just really kind of fascinated with the interpersonal piece of this, which you, I think, talked about pretty eloquently in the Enneagram episodes. We had two. I know. I mean. I do. I love that so much. I will say that might be advanced level Enneagram, but like I know we have tri types. So some people can also, if they're mm. not just like straight on one type, they can be just like a this, a that, and the other, like these three things that all really shine strongly. But usually you're a primary type and it does not change over time. Um, so what happens is sometimes like we can be a, a really strong wing and the wing. So if I'm a seven, my wing sure. would either be an eight or a six. But also if I am really healthy, then my seven turns a little bit like if my movement, I believe, is towards a five, which is like the observer, which is like very balanced and more like in my head. So that's not the sketchy spring part of you. Okay. No, that I am steals full on seven. I, I'm going to warn your neighbors today afterwards. Oh, my God. Um, Don't be like Rob. Don't be like Rob right now. I oh love Rob, so I'm glad to which, be like number one Rob. Oh, my God. I have you to tell you. Oh, you go. <laughs> no. One of the observations I might make is that. I remember when we did these episodes, I was talking about, like, if I dated anybody, it would be a two. Oh, yeah. Like, a yes. two was a good fit for me. And I have since found out that I have three very, very close people in my inner circle who have taken the test, and they're all twos. So I, I am obviously, as a friendship group as well, I pick twos. Although I love Rob, who's a one. And I love yes, you, who's but a he seven. Has, Rob has a two wing. Okay. He's oh, a strong one, but like he's got the helper giver vibe too. But can I tell you the funniest thing about Rob? And his I would love to oneness? hear the funniest thing about Rob. It because you know, it, like all of these little Enneagram anecdotes are sure. so hilarious to me. So this is like typical one fashion. Rob came up with this word out of nowhere yesterday that sort of <laughs> describes how he feels about other people. <laughs> people right because like the ones just to remind you oh my they're, god you know black or white right or wrong really like stand up people it's all about integrity and honesty yeah. and doing things the right way tons of research picking the rightest way best practices to do all the things so he spent the entire day yesterday we were gardening all day um our eldest son got this really weird kind of it's not a nerf gun but it has these gelets i mean he's like 15 Ooh. and six feet tall but still, i love like, him the, yep. the kid loves a good toy every now and then so it's yep. like he was spraying all of these jellets around i was gardening and jellets. like there was dirt everywhere and i was making really sketchy decisions about where i was putting the dirt and trying to hide it so rob basically was saying god ineptitude all day so like he was he was like everything that my son and i did right it was all about ineptitude everything was we because 
Nadav's also a seven. So he was walking through the world like a tornado, as was I. And Rob was sending us photos of messes that we made and just said ineptitude. Wow. (laughs) I can't wait to talk to him since we're going to have a little gin and tonic time after today's appointment. Or, or session, I should say. It's not an appointment. It's, it's kind of an appointment. It's hard. But yeah, I want to. I want to talk to him about that, and maybe I'll just follow. I, I could take some pictures too. But that's you know, I'm not going to take pictures because I think that would be shaming. So we'll talk oh, to Rob I know. about that. But that's why you've got to figure out when you're married to someone, when you're dating someone, when you're friends yeah. with someone, you just have to make sure that their issues and your issues don't really trigger each other because we're able to really laugh about these things. And it's pretty cute. And like more, another thought about sevens in the Enneagram. So like, you know, Nadav's also a seven. And it also reminds me because right now, I think he's got an eight wing, which is why you love him so much. But do you know the movie, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, that's coming out right now? I've heard of it. So it is just this coming-of-age Judy Bloom that, like, all middle-aged moms everywhere are just, like, rejoicing that this is coming out. But he was so into acting. Um, for several years, we had, like, representation in LA and he was going places fast. So my little seven was just all in living, breathing, the acting scene. He gets neck and neck for the role of Philip Leroy, which is kind of like the preteen cute dirtbag guy. And he (laughs) did not get the role. This other kid got the role after, you know, the producer session, all these callbacks. And he decided, even though he was like that close to being exactly where he worked so hard to be, he was like, hard stop. I'm not into it anymore. It's not fun anymore. And then he completely pivoted into scootering, like trick scootering, flips and turns huh. and concussions and broken limbs and ouch and then yep. years later hard stop and now he's all in to football like through and through heart and soul so it's like that's a true seven also that's just like just to the point of mastery and then pivot like you no longer are into the thing that you've like almost mastered that's interesting. Um, and I think it might be a difference between an eight and a seven because some of us dig in harder. If we don't get mm. what we want, we dig in harder to keep going for something that we want. You know, I just read an article and I think it was Scarlett Johansson. Not that this is all that relevant because I'm not all uh, who knows what we read is true or not. But Scarlett didn't get this role that Sandra Bullock got in Gravity. And she said she almost mm. walked away from acting entirely. But she just kept to it and look at her now. So... I just think there's a lot to be said. And it's interesting because different personality types, and this is what's so humanizing, I, I think, about that discussion about the Enneagram, is that it does allow us to like have our different ways of being in this world. And for me, it would be like, I'm going to pound harder at it. I'm going to get better and better at something. And you know, it's like our private practices, right? Like At the beginning, we don't know if people are going to come to see us. We don't know if we have what it takes because it's That's really right. just such, such difficult, challenging, intimate 
work and we're green at the beginning of our practice, beginning of our careers, we're green. Um, and I'm so grateful for the clients that I have that honestly, 25 years later are still seeing me because it wasn't a, a good connection. So what I think about it is, is it'll be interesting to see as Nadav moves forward, like as he switches from thing to thing that might be interesting. And that might be the way that he develops competencies in this world. He's good at everything maybe, you know, that he does. Because that's a pretty well, extreme, like close, close to fame experience, right? Is it, isn't it crazy? And it was like effortless yeah. for him to just be like, done, hard stop. Which, of course, I can really relate to as well with my sevenness. But you're right, like the stick to itiveness, that's sort of like a, it's a little bit of a weak muscle for us. But I'm also thinking about your sweet friend that you were just bringing up that. Yeah. I mean, basically, there are the wings. Sometimes people have the tri-types of just yep. like three that are really strong. But usually it's that the healthier we get, we're moving towards another vibe, another type, or starting to enjoy some of the healthier aspects of another type. And when yeah. we're unhealthy, it starts to show up as like maybe a different type. And I'd have to look at that diagram because there are arrows. If you look up the Enneagram, you'll see that your type may be like in health is moving in one direction and in stress is moving in another. So that that might be what's happening for her. As, as everybody, first of all, I'm just going to call her out. Hello, Lissa. Thank you for sharing that experience. Hello, Lissa. Always and, ask us about the Enneagram. And thank you for a delightful <laughs> question, uh, which we invite from our friends as well. Um, but this is what I want to say about that. Like the other thing, and Talia, as you know, I'm not an Enneagram expert. I don't utilize it in my practice. I have never really studied it. When people ask me what number there are, I'm like, I know what an eight is. I know what a one is because of Rob. I know what a two is because I want to date them. Um, I think my <laughs> friend Nicole, despite me being gay, I think Nicole and I should be dating. Um, shout out to you as well, baby. Uh, but I well, also want to say- You have a work wife. You might as well have like- <laughs> A, a girlfriend, too. I call her my bird scooter wife. We scooter around the old town of Scottsdale. Um, but I've learned a lot, right? And it is interesting to know how many twos I have in my life. Um, and I love it. But it also is really interesting to think about how different we can be. And, and I love that kind of question. And by the way, my, my friend, too, Lissa, is very creative as well. She's always been very, like, artsy, Fartsy. And that's um, the and... four. And that's the okay. four. So maybe. Oh, that's right. So they're the they're the tortured artist. Like I swear, these fours, yeah. when they're healthy, they are just creative geniuses. Can I and tell so you I'm also maybe... drawn to fours? Yeah. Yeah. And yep. and that could be what's getting flagged with the four for her is when she's feeling really creative, she's leaning into her four. <laughs> I, I shouldn't I laugh at this she's by the way Alyssa I hope this is okay for me to say but she's making this fairy garden out of a stump right now and I told her to keep taking pictures uh. of it but when we were in college she actually made me this big poster board from Bonnie Tyler's total eclipse of the heart it had glitter all over it and it was a very pretty like f framing of it and my friend Darren and I exchanged that poster back and forth for years but you know here's the interest I love those people and I'm not good at it yeah. like one of my best friends is a tattoo artist and he's very creative um, and very artsy fartsy in so many ways, but I'm drawn to that as well because I'm not. Yeah. Like the interesting piece is I'm not that artist. Both of my kids are artists too. They're very creative, um, yes. but I, I'm just not that person. So I think I'm really struck by it. So anyway, we learn a lot, like... and I. 
a magical, yeah. whimsical quality, right? That's like really beautiful and playful, but also oftentimes people that are incredibly creative, they are tapped into just this like darker undercurrent of maybe like sadness or yeah. pain. Yeah, maybe. Which I'm also, I mean, I went to a, by the way, and I, I this is kind of an offshoot, but uh, my friend, uh, my friends that I went out to dinner with last night, listen, I actually walked around uh, Northeast where she used to live and did the Art of World, um, kind of <laughs> looked at a number of different places. And I literally walked in to a studio of this guy uh, who does pretty dark art. And I, la I, I seriously could barely breathe. It was like so intense yeah. and so meaningful and I, mm -hmm. I started getting teary, and then Lissa introduced me to him. His name is Nick. I love him uh, very much for, for all he contributes. But I literally started talking to him, and I got a little teary. I'm like, what is going on? So I sat. Lissa and I, Lissa's so great. She's such a great friend. We kind of sat on this uncomfortable red velvet furniture in that studio, and I just kind of thought, like, what is happening for me? Like, what is it? And I don't know that it's not simply, like, I connect to that dark side of things based on the work that we do and how many challenging, difficult stories we hear. Um, it could be a lot of things, but I'm, I, it's interesting. I think I'm, you know, that kind of tragic artist piece uh, might be That's my draw. That's exactly right. And I mean, yeah. what an incredible gift to be able to communicate that yeah. powerful feeling that just resonates in, in others. I mean, it's just, it's a gift, right? And even yeah. if you don't feel particularly creative, I mean, it punched you right in the gut. Right. It really fucking punched me. And I will tell you, the, the picture that's right at the front of the studio when you walk in the door is my favorite of all. And I really oh should probably gosh. purchase it. It's called Serenity. Um, I probably should uh, go back and get it. Um, well, maybe after the gin and tonic, we should uh, <laughs> go and check it out. Um, Doug, we're do back we to, to mailbagging. Mail I love mailbags. Let's do it. Okay, so you haven't heard Hit this letter that we got. I'm going to hit you. Not. It's so... Good. I it's like so surprises. Good. Okay, this is Jason. He's 36, and he says, I'm running out of ways to ask my fiance, who's a 32-year-old woman, for more affection. She brings me so much joy. We spend all day laughing at dumb jokes and poking fun at each other, and we finally figured out how to have disagreements without letting them build or cause unnecessary tension, but I'm not getting what I need. I'm not getting the physical affection I crave, and I've tried so many things. I feel like this is a really typical couple's issue. It is. Issue. It is. I, I'm familiar with this dynamic. Yeah, it happens. Um, he says, yeah. I'm not just talking about sex, although that has nearly dropped off altogether as well. I'm talking about the little things, a hug or a kiss when I get home, a snuggle on the couch or in bed before we fall asleep. Even when we first started dating, she wasn't necessarily the run to the door to greet you with a kiss type of girl, but we were right. definitely more physical. We used to have great sex that she initiated, and we used to hold hands walking the dogs or rub each other's backs watching a movie, which is so sad because that's so sweet. Um, he says, <laughs> now five years later, there's virtually none of that. I feel like I've tried everything. I've suggested books. I shared my love language, and she said she doesn't believe in that. I suggested therapy. She doesn't mm. think she needs that and doesn't want to okay. talk to someone. I've dropped a thousand hints. 
And when that didn't work, I've been outright blunt and asked for what I need. I, if I do that, she'll acquiesce from time to time, but it gets met with an eye roll, making it feel disingenuous. A little backstory. It all seems to have changed when we moved. I got offered a dream job a year into us dating, and I was very honest with her. I couldn't pass it up, but I love her, and I asked her to consider moving. I brought her to the new city once to try it out, and she liked it. She decided to move and insisted that it was her own decision. But trust me when I tell you that the first year was rough. Both of us were virtually alone in a new city, except I had a team of new colleagues. She only had me. Two years of that, including the first year of lockdown, later, she was finally finding her groove. She had her own friends and her own interests in town. Most importantly, she was telling people back home that she actually liked it here. And she started looking at houses for us to buy. All of that was to get to this. During that time when we drifted apart, or during that time was when we drifted apart physically. I knew she was stressed, depressed, and isolated from her friends, so I did everything I could to comfort her when she needed it, and I gave her space when she asked for it. But then the space became, you know, I just don't like that. I wonder if he's talking about, like, physical affection. That's how I interpret that. After about a year in the new city with us having regular sex, she started to pull away and say no, which was frustrating since it was the only physical connection we had. We got in a couple of big fights about it where I explained that I just need to be touched and held, and she kept saying it was normal for couples who had been together a while, which, okay, I get it. We don't need to have sex three times a day, but maybe two or three times a week. And then the dry spell. We went six months without having sex. I would initiate. She'd say no. So I'd roll over and give her space because she said me spooning her was too warm. Six months without significant physical affection. Maybe a couple of hugs and a kiss on the cheek if I was going out of town. Um, Now it's been three years of that. Sex once every few months. Never initiated by her. With very little effort on her part. It got to the point where I went on antidepressants because I felt so ignored. To her benefit... They can kill a sex drive, so I eventually stopped initiating anything. Here's the thing. She asks me all the time for back rubs, arm tickles, hand and foot massages, but never reciprocates. She guilts me and says she'll rub my back afterwards, but always finds a reason not to. I used to love doing it, but now I just feel used, and I hate to say it, but I've lost trust in her because she doesn't follow through. It breaks my heart. I love this woman. I really do. And she insists I'm the man she wants to be with. She's always sending sweet texts when I'm out of the house or on a work trip about how much she misses me. She's insisting we're supposed to be together. But I don't know how much longer I can say it that it will get better because I don't believe it. First, she was going through the move, then the depression, but now she seems to be thriving in our new home with our new dog and the new job that she loves. And I'm over here with my back to her texting a letter to you because I feel so alone laying in the bed that we share I'm just so sad I don't know what to do oh boy um first of all Jason I want to give you such kudos for writing in being articulate in the way that you are 
being insightful in the way that you are, that your trust is slowly been broken. And I want to commend you for approaching her first, because I was going to say, you know, my initial thoughts as I started listening to this mailbag was, you know, I want to make sure that you're communicating directly and openly and honestly about what you need and what's lacking for you to create that intimate connection. Um, but it sounds like you've done a really, really good job of that. And I applaud you for approaching therapy. I approach, I applaud you for exploring different ways of getting to the next phase of this relationship and addressing what it is. Um, love languages, you know, whether she believes it or not, uh, they have a role in this conversation. You know, I'm not sure if she's getting what she needs. It sounds like touch is also important for her since you're doing tickles of arms and hand and foot rubs and all that sort of thing. I'm really kind of uh, I really concerned about someone who says, I will rub your back and then doesn't. Of course, mm-hmm. that's a, like a, a bait. It's a tease. It's a, and then you don't get it. So I, I want to know there's, I got to tell you, there's something going on for her is what my, my sense is. I don't know what happened here, what resentment she might have, what is in the way of her being as fully available to this relationship as she might, but there's something that changed for her. And it could be as simple as moving to this new location and having a really difficult time relying on you for everything and feeling vulnerable. It could be all kinds of things, but I got to tell you, there's something happening because someone who does not follow through on what they agreed to do, there's something, there's something mysterious about that. And that's something to be confronted in therapy. Like if somebody says, I'm going to do this and I don't do it. I want to know what that is. Like, is it a mental health issue? Is it a neurological issue? Is it a, an underlying issue that she's not aware of that's preventing her from being as fully in this relationship as she can be? It could be all of those things. But I'm glad that you're talking about love languages. That came up for me. It's something that I, I thought about as you were talking. Um, I even find myself thinking this is where the two of you communicating. Like, I think one of the things, and I'm, I'm going to just go after her comment about, you know, this is what happens in relationships that have been around for a while. I call bullshit on that. I think our mm-hmm. relationships change. But there's always a way, and I'm going to go back to my four C's, chemistry, communication, compromise, and commitment, as kind of the four foundations to building a sustaining relationship. I'm curious about the chemistry piece. I mean, you, you two talk about a satisfying sexual relationship for a period of time. And so I think there is physical chemistry, which I don't think necessarily dies, but it has to be kind of replenished. It has to be like, you know, uh, re-triggered in some cases where people have to open up conversation about what they're experiencing in the bedroom or wherever you two have sexual contact. Um, But I think there's a part where I, I think if you can talk about like fantasies and fetishes and kinks and what works and what doesn't work in your physical relationship, it can really enliven some of that stuff that feels dead. And, you know, we as a culture do not do well talking openly and honestly about our sexual desires. And I think that's a shame. You know, I think, you know, I think we, we all grow up d- in different ways. And, and regardless of, you know, what our backgrounds are, I encourage everybody to be open and honest about what they want and they don't want without shame, because shame is the biggest factor, I think, that gets in the way of people talking about that. But again, Jason, I would encourage you to talk with her and say, do we need to, to reinvigorate you know, our sexual and, and emotional chemistry and intimacy by, you know, really having those honest, open discussions? I'm flagged a little bit that she rolls her eyes. I think that's really disregarding and disrespectful um, and and just really doesn't make you feel heard in any way, shape, or form. I don't love that she's not willing to go to therapy because I got to tell you something, Jason, the outlook is not good if it continues this way. Um, I'm also very curious about your choice of an antidepressant. There are antidepressants, of course, that do not affect libido in the same way as others. 
And so taking a look at that with your physician and seeing if that's the right medication for you. I'm also hearing from you that you still have interest, but it makes it easier to walk away from the sexual content because, you know, these medications might be reducing that libidinal impulse just a little bit and your drive. But I think the bigger issue is, like you said, you have your back to her. That's turning away. Like I, I just call that turning away from your partner. And I think that's a dangerous sign moving forward. You have to, you know, turn back toward her and have continuous, honest discussions. And Jason, my concern is that she, if, if she really will not engage with you, we have a problem. Like I, I, I think there's no way for this relationship to go, especially at 32 and 36, like you've barely started. You know, this could go on for a long time and there's no way for you to live the rest of your life without getting your needs met. By the way, your physical requests are really basic. And I want to know more from her. Like, I'm, I'm kind of curious about, like, what is it that prevents her from wanting to touch you? Is it like, I'm not going to give you that because she feels too vulnerable or she's giving too much or maybe because she moved on your behalf, even though it was her choice and she was clear and thoughtful about that? Maybe she does have some resentment and so she's not willing to continuously give you what you need. And withholding, though, is not a way to build a healthy dynamic in any way, shape, or form. And it does, of course... Delin, you know, diminish that trust that you have and, and it's got to rebuild, Jason. What do you think, Talia? Oh, I mean, I couldn't, I, I feel devastated for him because also what he was saying is I don't know how many more ways I can do this. I don't know how much longer right. I can right. make it because he really has tried so many different approaches to this problem. And I also feel like I've got some questions for her, really. I do too. About yep. what is happening? Why the withholding? Is it exactly what you were saying? Like, is it underlying anger, resentment, withholding because she's not getting her needs met or she is not feeling good in her own life? Is it also that like sometimes people go through periods where they're not feeling particularly sexy? Or their libido is low. I wonder about that for her. I wonder if she's just sort of gotten disconnected from the part of her that is more sexual, which sometimes I think for people, if that is an issue, if people just are feeling like, yeah, we used to have this fabulous sex life, but I'm no longer really feeling like I enjoy being approached that way. I don't really feel in touch with my own sensuality, sexuality. Sometimes it does help to even just ground yourself in your own sensuality, which can lead into feeling more sexual. For instance, just thinking about all of your senses just wake up the senses. So like yep. smell something amazing, listen to something powerful, just taste something delicious, just be in your body yep. and let yourself be titillated by whatever it is in the external environment. Sometimes people lilacs. really get- Smell lilacs. lilacs. Sometimes people get so in their own head that they are no longer in touch with their physical needs. So if that, is a possibility that might be something to look into what i feel sad about is that she does not seem interested in looking into this like when somebody is saying my needs are not being met or yeah. this is my love language specifically and someone else is like mm, 
That's too bad. What it makes me think is that she's not getting her needs met. And then there is some weird withholding of like, well, too bad for you. I'm not getting, you know, you're not scratching my back. I'm not going to scratch yours, which just like you said, Doug, starts this dynamic of withholding rather than I'm going to make sure no matter how I'm feeling about my needs that I'm going to really care about yours. And then you're going to feel this generosity of spirit to meet mine, even though it's not as natural for you. You know, and you referenced something, and I, I appreciate all of that. And I, I think what you talked about, like we talked about possible resentments. We talked about other things that might be going on. But I do wonder physiologically. I took a look at her age again at 32 and, of course, not likely not menopausal or anything hormonal necessarily going on at that time period for most people, although I don't know. I mean, you know, it's no, worth checking out. I feel out. like, like, have you heard people say that usually like a, a man's sexuality peaks when they're like 18, 19? Yep. And a woman's peaks when you're in your early 30s. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I don't know if there's something else going on, but it's really important to talk about it. I just want to say also, I mean, we talk fairly easily about, you know, go to therapy, talk about your honest, yeah. open feelings and experiences. But a lot of people have a really hard time doing that. Like based on how she grew up, based on what her uh, stigmas are, maybe about psychotherapy or yeah. talking about her sexuality and whatnot, I I, I think there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle, but bottom line is it really does help everyone to kind of sort out what's going on for themselves and figure it out. I want to add one more piece that's kind of interesting before I forget, and that's that I think a lot of couples at this point decide to either try to open up their relationship or create a, uh, an ethically non-monogamous or, frankly, maybe not ethically uh, and go out on <laughs> to look for what they need. And mm-hmm. I, I discourage you from doing that without having an open, honest discussion first. I mean, if right. at any point you find yourself, Jason, needing some intimacy, uh, don't go out without talking to her first, letting her know how kind of desperate you're feeling about this. But we all have needs and we're all going to find it if we don't get it within the context of a well, relationship that we've been working hard to communicate what we want and need. Go ahead. I mean, the poor guy went on antidepressants Yeah, I know. because he was feeling so lonely and dejected. Right. Yep. I, I feel like what's really kind of standing out to me as the question, and maybe, Jason, this could be a way to bring it up. I don't know if it's going to go well or not go well, but maybe the one angle you haven't tried is, sweetheart, tell me what the obstacles are in in our way yeah and then maybe you and i can brainstorm so if you're even asking her you know tell me what some what tell me what happens for you when i want affection tell me what happens for you when maybe i'm rubbing your feet and i'm kind of feeling like i want to be more connected because to me it feels like you are repulsed or to me, it just feels like you're not that into me anymore or that you feel like it's a burden or whatever that is that it feels like to you and ask her what's actually happening. And if you guys have the kind of relationship where she can be really honest with you, you might find out, you know what? I don't feel good in my own body yeah. or I, I, I love you, but I don't know if I'm attracted to you. And honestly, as painful as that is, you got to know. You guys, 
are That's you know right. you're That's probably right. planning a wedding at some point here you're you're engaged but you're not married and i i feel like maybe the two of you are so invested that both of you are really terrified to actually have that conversation and find out this isn't that kind of compatible anymore except i don't think jason's afraid of it i think jason jason is hitting this head on and he's recognizing you know i'm writing into you because I can't talk to her. And so I have to, like, it was very, very descript. Like, I have my back to her and I'm texting this question to you because, oh. you know, he's ready to talk. I mean, Jason, I just, I'm very impressed with your willingness to look at all of it. I think your willingness to, like, let's go into therapy and figure this out. Like, I'm always encouraged by people who are willing to look at the difficult stuff. So I don't think it's Jason. I just, I'm very concerned. And I don't know. I mean, there could be, like you said, Talia, we both have questions for her. Like, what is it that's yeah. going on? And I, I'm someone who believes that each decade of our life, you know, she just turned, you know, she's in her early 30s. Every yeah. decade kind of evol involves new awarenesses of ourselves. And maybe she's having second thoughts. Maybe she does not feel like this is right. But she's got to be unafraid of that and be transparent and be direct right. and honest. And I know I'm asking people to do something that's not always easy. But it doesn't go well unless you do it. No. So however you get to that place, and this is where... Having a therapist who's a mediator who can help kind of facilitate some of that discussion, Jason, I think you're on the right track. I would go back to it. If you listen to this and you can share this episode with her, um, by all means, I would absolutely recommend for her to be open to the experience of like opening herself up and being free in this world. Like that's the only way that she's going to feel the best she can feel that's as right. well. But it's the only way that you two can figure out what the next phase of your relationship might look like. I mean, I think you're right. I, I feel like yeah. they're at a crossroads because the only two ways that you're going to get out of this is for when one of you in a relationship says this thing is really heartbreaking to me. I'm feeling yeah. sad. I'm not getting my needs met. The yeah. only two options in those situations is for someone to say, oh, wow, not on my radar. I'm so sorry. I'm crazy about you. I have openness interest right. willingness yep. to engage with that problem and figure out some solutions or i'm sorry your problem isn't really that interesting to me i don't really think it's a me thing i don't feel like i need to do anything about it and i don't know how that relationship is going to fare probably Agreed. not well sort of the end of the line in some ways yeah Prognosis doesn't feel good unless she's willing to take a look That's at right. what's going on for her and be honest. So That's right. our best to you as you kind of pursue this and as you get further along in this and maybe, you know, again, this episode might be something you can to listen to together. I mean, it might be interesting just be in the car. I've had I've had people tell me they turn on my uh, an episode in the car because they mm -hmm. want their partner or girlfriend or boyfriend or spouse to to hear what it is that we're talking about. Find a way to bring it up. It's not a bad idea. Our best no. to you, Jason. We wish you well. Yes, we really do. And I think just if you are brave enough to face the possibility that however she does respond to this next attempt might determine your fate. But we are rooting for you. And thank you so much for writing in. Which brings us to our second mailbag of the day, which is a whole Ooh. other issue. But as we talk about chemistry and we talk about... <laughs> The various yes. ways that people struggle in their relationships. This is an interesting one. And I will Ooh, be curious. I'm excited. Uh, you okay, should be excited. Give it to me. Oh, goodness. 
Yeah, this is a fun one, which everyone is, by the way, I bet everybody who listens is going to have this visceral response to this. My boyfriend and I have been together for about eight months now, and his poor hygiene has been the source of stress for me recently. He doesn't use deodorant and often goes long periods of time without brushing his teeth. Oh. We've had... (laughs) You had a visceral response. We've had conversations about the lack of dental hygiene because because, uh, because it came up organically one night when he said he doesn't care about his dental hygiene because he will just get veneers if his teeth go get bad, which, by the way, oh I my have God. some. But, my, but that's not why I got veneers. <laughs> Wait, I show, show me him, again? I, did, I really like that. <laughs> I love my dentist. Thank you. I um, mean, my I God, told, those are perfect. Sorry. <laughs> continue. Anyway, I gently told him that if he continues to brush his teeth irregularly, it would quickly get to the point that I I find his breath really bad at times. He was very hurt by this and became angry with me for mentioning it due to, quote, unquote, lack of consideration for his feelings. All kinds of feelings about that. I have so many feelings. When we met for the first time, I noticed he had a bit of body odor, but I didn't think much of it because it wasn't overwhelming. And I thought it was a one-time thing. Though I eventually realized he simply does not use deodorant after he spent a couple days at my place and I told him he could use mine, but he declined because he, quote unquote, likes to sweat. I'm unsure how to initiate a conversation with him that will not hurt his feelings. He's very important to me, but I also can't be with someone who doesn't take care of themselves. That last phrase probably being the most important. So have okay, at it. I, okay, this is the first thing I want to <laughs> say is I think that I know the part that's pissing you off the most about this. And I want to guess. I want to guess the part that you are like, are you effing kidding me with this? That because you're all about like a direct communication. So if somebody is being direct and communicating with him and he is saying that that like really hurt his feelings that she's speaking her truth. I could see that really rubbing a person the wrong way. It rubs me the wrong way. I believe in total honesty and transparency. So go ahead. Keep talking. Okay. So I will say that like a light BO situation, right, could go either way that like some people might mind, some people might not. Some people might be into the pheromones. Some people really like Axe body spray only or whatever it is, right? Oof. Yeah. But it's all a very personal chemistry sensory thing, which we sort of were, you know, talking about in the last one, too. But the not brushing your teeth and saying if your teeth fall out, you're just going to get veneers. I feel like that is beyond a hygiene issue. First of all, you know how I like to speak for everyone. That's gross. That's really really gross. Like, you've got to brush your teeth, dude. Like, flossing also important but you gotta brush and also i feel like maybe i'm someone who it just feels like if you're not appetizing no one's gonna want (laughs) to kiss you or make out with you or do any of like you need to be appetizing to somebody or maybe even there's someone for everyone if you find someone that you're both kind of into a little bit of like a dirt bag vibe or like hippie vibe or that's like cute then that's fine and there's nothing to talk about but this sounds like next level and I feel like somebody who says 
if my body falls apart because I'm not taking care of it, I'm just going to do some sort of like medical intervention that symbolizes something bigger than hygiene. I feel like there's like not mental illness, but there is something going on with this guy that he doesn't feel like self-care is even something that he is interested in at all. You know what's interesting about this? There is is there is that clear distinction for me between something that can be frankly a turn on for some people. I I am I'm going to own that I am a pheromonal based guy. Like when I go on a date with someone, I honestly frankly want to smell them. Like I want to make sure that their natural scent is something that I'm drawn to because my chemistry is very much geared toward toward that. And so I need to know that. But you know, there's a difference between not bathing for a week and just kind of working out and having a sweat. So there's a lot of different pieces to that. Huge not to get too personal about that. But yeah. the, the teeth issue, and by the way, I did not get veneers because I did not brush my teeth. I just had a dead tooth um, and they weren't straight. So they are, are you now. sure? I'd like evidence of that. I can show you I'm evidence just... and, uh, you know, my high school graduation <laughs> picture. I'm glad to show you. I accidentally uh, chipped one of my teeth when my grandmother was washing my hair when I was young in the this porcelain sink. Um, and I chipped oh, a tooth. It never no. got black, but it was a little yellow. And I'm like... Yeah. Anyway, uh, one of my friends called me Snaggletooth at one point. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm going to get these taken care of. So what I would say about this is there's that difference. And, you know, I, by the way, you know, bad breath is not a pheromonal issue. It's not like taking in a person's like natural scent and whatnot that, that draws us toward people in an animalistic sort of way. It, bad no. breath is different than that. And really, there is that big difference, Talia, between a health issue which, by the way, it's yeah. not just going to stop with that. There can be gum disease, which can lead to heart problems. Can so this is a health issue versus a hygiene issue, um, and that's maybe right. the, you know that's that's maybe not exactly accurate because both they can be together. But um, well, and a self care issue. Well, yeah, and so there's something about like a lot of people are drawn to people who take care of themselves, people who work out, people who groom themselves. Um, I got to tell you something. If I went on a date and the dude had on. I X body straight, I'd be out of there. I X body straight spray stray. Oh um come on. But that feels a little dramatic. Like that's a oh, conversation. God, no. I when still, okay, I met that's fair. Rob, he had um colored contact lenses. Oh. And that was just a conversation away. Just a little course correct. All you need to do is say, I prefer your natural scent. <laughs> you know, or your yeah. natural okay, eye so, color. No, I, I, I know. I, I, you're right about that. As the perpetrator of communication um, I and demands of, of people, I absolutely agree that you should communicate about those things. Which, going back to this, this is exactly what this is. He should not be angry at you for having feelings or thoughts. Um, I know he is, and I don't know what that defensiveness is about. You know, if you're with somebody and they tell you honestly, so I just don't like your, you know, if somebody said, I don't like your whatever goatee or that you, I don't know, whatever it might be. Um, I might make changes or I might not, which kind of goes to deal breakers, by the way. Like, I think there's a point at which there needs to be a conversation. And if he's like, I'm not changing and I'm never going to brush my teeth again. I don't know how (laughs) this is going to work for you, which I don't think he's going to brush his teeth again. I don't know how that works, by the way. Like, There's so many things that are going to happen in his mouth. Oh, my God. My dad, who was literally the funniest person ever on the planet, the funniest guy. He was a professor of Eastern European history. He said that Mount Zetung, who (laughs) 
I should know who that is. Was he like a Chinese emperor? That, ah, anyway, thought, long story yeah. short, I don't know. If, I don't even know if it was like the 15th century yeah. or like 20 years ago. But anyway, don't don't judge me. But what he used to say is that Mao Zedong used to always say that I don't brush my teeth because a tiger doesn't brush his teeth. <laughs> I think that's a real that's a real valid and rational way of responding. But so silly oh because that's God. not really but, it. No, but this is what you said that I just like couldn't agree with more, which I hadn't thought about. That if this guy <laughs> feels like this is the hill I'm going to die on, that's a part, not brushing my teeth is a part of my identity and something I feel really good and proud about that I can't be with someone who doesn't appreciate and celebrate that about me, right? You can fill in the blank. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. The deal breakers. So there's also a difference between like morning breath when you lean over and kiss the person in your bed and, you know, it's not the freshest time of the day and someone who really <laughs> specifically gets angry at you, which is a defensive mechanism, I think, in this particular case. I think he's defensive about it. I, can I go back and say something as well? Um, I I grew up, as many people know, uh, in a family that did not have a lot of money. We did not even have a very nice home to live in. and. We took baths on Saturday night. That was just what we did. And so that was all we had. And then we watched Carol Burnett and Lawrence Welk, by the way. But that's, that's dating me in a really big way. Um, but there's a part of this that, you know, the family that he grew up in, like this is where a lot of these patterns and these habits get taught. And so mm. it's possible that he just needs a recorrection. But if he goes to the dentist once, they're going to strongly encourage twice a day brushing and flossing and all these sorts of things that all of us know are a way of maintaining our, our, our mouth health. And it's a big mouth issue. Like, again, gums that are, are problematic can lead to heart issues. And so it's really important for him to take a look at this. This is a health issue. And it would turn me off if I were in your shoes to be with someone who did not care about themselves enough to consider that, but also didn't care about me enough to care about their health. So there's multiple avenues to go at. So what I encourage you to do is keep doing what you're doing. Like be direct, continue to say, this bothers me. If you're not willing to deal with it, I'm not sure what else to do because I don't want to kiss you anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to be in the same space with you because it is an offensive odor to me. Different than the deodorant. Like I bet there's a really easy way. Right. Like he doesn't have to wear deodorant. I actually know a ton of people who do not wear deodorant, but I think there's a part of this where, you know, that's not the biggest issue because if he's bathing regularly, he may not have much body odor at all by the end of the day if he's doing it daily. But this guy is opposed to hygiene and that can I be know. a health issue in so many ways. So yeah, I wish I'd you well so with continuing. Go curious ahead. about yeah. that. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We we really want you to have this conversation. And again, I mean, sort of like the first mailbag too, right? It's like you've got to speak your truth about what you're wanting and needing. And either yeah. that conversation yep. goes well and there is some willingness or interest in meeting your needs or this is really the hill that they want to die on and then you have to ask yourself some really important hard questions about the trajectory yeah. of the relationship and i just want to add other pieces like if he's not brushing his teeth the other people in your life that he's around if you introduce him to your friends if you introduce him to your family if you introduce him to co-workers um, there's going to be a, a response like, why is this person? Because we are a reflection of who's with us as well. 
And so if that person is offensive in any way, and not that it matters what other people think, but it's going to affect your ability to have a social life and, a, and the circle of people that want to be around the two That's of you. Right. Because this would be That's a very right. common, not the deodorant as much, but I, that's my speculation. But Well, maybe. Um, I if was, he's like just maybe. a smelly person who looks like pig pen from Peanuts. <laughs> Fifi Le Pew, pig pen. Pep, isn't if it his Pepe, nickname, Pepe? Who's Fifi Le What did I say? Pepe? Fifi? <laughs> I think it's Pepe, Pepe Le Pew, oh, the skunk. Oh, I think it is too. Oh my that's God. very much more French. I love him. Do I you? I forgot all about so, him. So, but if, you know, if people are calling him Stinky, if that's his new nickname um, or Pigpen, you're going to really know that people are trying to make a statement and it shouldn't be passive aggressive. It shouldn't be judgmental or hurtful. You've let him know what he thinks, what you think. I don't love his response and I'm hoping he can come back and say, okay, okay, okay. I probably want to brush my teeth because I'm, I want more kisses from you. Like it's a win-win situation for that hygienic issue and that, that self-care and health issue. But you know, and the... I don't know if the deodorant is like negotiable. I don't know. It's like you, you said before, it wasn't like immense or overwhelming. And so it was okay. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm more focused on the teeth because I know that there's a health issue that could lead to bigger, bigger health issues. So also it's just a little gross and basically we feel you and thank you so much for writing in. We hope that some of this was helpful takeaways that you can bring back to your relationships and just see if maybe there is a tiny little angle there that you haven't tried and a little seek compromise. out the willingness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you need help, we're out there. Therapists are out there to help you navigate this difficult, challenging, sensitive topic. Oh, it is sensitive. And we wish you the very best of luck and we're going to manifest some really good outcomes for you guys in these relationships i wish you good smells (laughs) i wish you good smells oh my god i love that olfactory Uh, satisfaction uh, uh. and we can't wait to chat next tuesday we'll talk to you later guys 